Hello and welcome to another edition of Health Solutions with Sean and Janet Needham, where Team Needham discusses everything healthcare. I'm your host, Sean Needham, along with my wonderful wife, Janet. And today I'm super excited to have Sean Casey back on our podcast. We are going to be discussing nutrition and fitness for kids. This is a big passion of mine and Janet's. Partly because we have kids, but also because we realize that kids grow into be adults and we want adults to be healthy. Um, so you got to start out um, early as kids. So, uh, Sean, welcome to our show. Be on the show again. Uh, excited to be on. Uh, it's a great topic, so I look forward to diving into things. Yeah. So if, for those of our listeners and viewers that haven't, uh, don't know your um, history and your past, uh, tell us a little bit about uh, about you, Sean. No, I'd be more than happy to. So I'm a registered dietitian, uh, specialized in sports nutrition, as well as just general proactive health nutrition. Um, also work as a physical preparation coach. Um, I've been fortunate to work with uh, professional athletes from uh, most sports, uh, as well as Olympian gold medalists. So I, I love working from all ends of the spectrum, from young to old to various uh, skill starting levels. And tell us where you're flying tomorrow. <laughs> I'll actually be flying to Denmark tomorrow. Uh, one of my clients, he's um, prepping for the world champs in his respective sport. That's going to be at the end of August. So we're going to be doing three weeks of intense training together leading up to the world champs. Oh, I, I love it. And, and do you mind sharing what that sport is? Yeah, that's a uh, badminton. So uh, one of my clients, is his name is Victor Axelson. He's a defending Olympic gold medalist in men's singles for badminton. Uh, multi-time world champion, a uh, great hard worker. Um, he, he's one of those people who uh, helps kind of breathe fire into what you do because when everything is focused and passionate. Yeah, I, I got to think, badminton, badminton, I'm just thinking out, out loud, kind of a mix between pickleball and tennis, maybe, sort of, kind of. Yeah, that'd and, be pretty, pretty good. Yeah, and I mean, the, the speed and the quickness and the lateral movement you have to have in sports like that is incredible. You know, it's really fascinating when we're actually doing intense training. Uh, if we're not getting, um, if he's not getting in around 5,500 calories a day, he'll start to lose weight. Um, you know, yeah. so that's like a lot of food, a lot of food. And then when you're full, have another cheeseburger. <laughs> it's pretty intense. Right. And I'm, and I'm sure he's, he can't afford to lose weight. He's probably already super lean. Yeah. He's riding, you know, between eight to ten percent body fat any yeah. day of the week. Um, so he's he's six foot four, um, so really tall, you know, especially for the sport of badminton. Right. Um, burn, burns through a lot of energy in a hurry. Yeah, that's awesome. Okay, so tell us a little bit about we we want to we want to focus on nutrition and fitness for kids. Um, I'm going to let Janet take over here and just talk about you know what's going on with um, you know kids and fitness and, and, uh, nutrition? Well, um, the first thing I would say as, um, watching and as a mother, it's these things, the cell phones or the videos or not, not being active. So, um, that's part of the problem. And then we add on top of it, the dietary things that as Americans we have bought into. So, um, I'm going to let Sean talk about it, but you know, I mean, my focus, I guess, as a parent was get them outside, get them moving, and also the cleaner the diet, meaning the fresher the diet, the better. But I'm I'm gonna let you go full force, Sean. 
No, and, and I think this is such a great and relevant topic today. And I think a lot of it too, like you mentioned, everything is so glued to a phone right now as opposed to getting outside. And I think that's one of the things, you know, I think about when I was growing up was I spent most of my summer outside running around, kind of that creative free play. Mm-hmm. And between safety issues, technology, I feel like a lot of that has been pulled out of the lifestyle right. of a lot of young kids. Yeah, I, I agree. And I, and I think, don't don't you think that nutrition and fitness for kids should, it, it, does it first come from, from the parents as role models? Absolutely. I, th- I think most kids model what they see at home. Um, and so I think as parents or guardians, if you're setting that good example, makes it much more natural, easy to get outside, play, run around, eat quality foods. You know, it's fascinating working as a dietitian. You know, I talk with parents all the time um, or even when I'm working with like uh, student athlete kids and I'm like, oh, what are the foods that you enjoy or what foods tend to go over well? And it's interesting. Obviously, most kids like sweets, things of that nature, and adults do too. But what is fascinating is the number of people are like, oh, like I really like the foods that they like are not necessarily because they're sweet. It's because they're foods that they make together with like the family. The number of foods were like, oh, as a kid, I, I shopped with my parents for this and then we made it together and it, I found it to be really tasty. I think that's a, a big thing that's an easy step that gets missed quite often. Yeah. So basically what you're saying is, you know, it, it, it's a learned, it's a learned response. It's a, an acquired taste. They, they only know what they've been fed. Right. Mm-hmm. And Absolutely. if you feed them, right. And if you feed them good food at home, then they will, they will tend to like it. I know I can tell you, I have a weight loss journey myself. Um, you know, 13 years ago, I was 60 pounds heavier and considered obese, definitely. And my kids were developing into young teenagers and I wanted to be able to, you know, play with them, play sports with them, be active with them and be a good role model. And I will tell you, we had one son that was um, overweight and it was, it'd be really difficult for me. And and we knew he was overweight, but it would be really difficult for me to, to ask him to, you know, be healthier when I wasn't healthy. So I will say that when it, when it came down to after I lost weight, um, you know, both my kids started becoming more active and, and ate healthier because we were. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and it's really interesting, too, when it comes to foods. Uh, this is something I remember learning when I was going through uh, my dietetic uh, schooling was most there's some the only two flavors are pe- people are naturally drawn to like are sweet and salty. Beyond that, everything is a learned um, or acquired taste. And I think what happens is somebody has a food maybe once they don't like it. And so parents never make it again, not realizing it takes that those multiple exposures to foods, or maybe you cook the food in a slightly different way or add different spices or seasonings, whatever it is. And that's a, a big thing that I always uh, reinforce when I'm working with parents is, hey, make sure you're exposing uh, your kids to the foods multiple times, you know, because, again, everything is almost a lear- an acquired taste for the most part. So, Janet, as a mother that cooked for um, her kids, what kind of things do you have to say about that? Right. I, I agree with Sean is saying. Um, one of the things that was really helpful, I think, for both my kids, um, especially my youngest, because he kind of had texture things that he was kind of fussy with. It was like easier when he chose, like if we went to the store or something, if he chose something, we could work with it. Um, and then he became a little more excited about better choices. And I think, you know, learning and actually finding out what, what, 
make something different for them, whether it would be just a condiment or a seasoning or something, you know, maybe not cooked as long or, I mean, there's just little things that you can tweak along the way, but you, you do work with them. My oldest, I think he just consumed and he, he's actually, he, he'll eat almost anything. I think <laughs> there's not very, you know, but, but he, he also had a, a different sense of when he was full, when he was full, he's done. And he's always been that way. If he's hungry, he eats when he's full, he's done. Where Jordan, I think, wasn't like that. I think there was a, a maybe, you know, a learned thing or he just didn't have that sensation. So, you know, I, I think that's the other thing, too. Um, as a parent, I learned that, you know, you have to kind of work with that, too. You know, when when you're done, it's okay to leave something on your plate, not clean it up. I mean, like Sean and I were taught you cleaned your plate. Well, maybe just not take as much the next time. Well, yeah, go ahead, Sean. I oh, don't know. I cut Jeff going forward. Well, I, I think, you know, the the thing about, you know, my youngest son, um, you know, one of the issues that he saw is he probably just followed me. And, and I, I'm the kind of guy that I will eat anything in front of me. I mean, and um, where my youngest, my oldest son, like Janet says, I mean, they're, you know, no matter what he's eating, if, if he's done, he's done. His plate can be half full. He's done. Um, and I think it's it's important for us as parents to to not teach our kids that you have to clean your plate up. I mean, eat until you're full, and not only eat good healthy food, but eat until you're full. And you know, because one thing I always say is, you know, and I get it. You know, we have parents and grandparents that grew up in the depression, and they were worried about wasting food. Well, let, let let's just face it, Sean. Um, we do not have a problem with too little of food anymore. I mean, no. the, the part of our uh, part of our major problem in the United States is we have too much food. And that's why there's an epidemic of obesity because we have too much food. We have unlimited food sources pretty much when we go home. Um, and so we need to teach ourselves that it's okay to throw away food because either it's wasted in the government, in the, in the garbage can, or it's wasted around our waist. And it's a lot more expensive to be wasted around the waist. You know, I've, I've never heard it put that way before. I, I really like the way you described that. <laughs> right? thing, putting, you know, the garbage or on the waste. Either way, it's going somewhere. And, yeah. And that's, and that's good, too. And, you know, I think the other thing, too, is like breakfast. You know, I'm not sure how it was, you know, uh, with your kids growing up. But I find often now just having very basic cooking skills. So when I'm doing education workshops with, uh, young kids or even adults, just simple things like, Hey, how, how do you cook an egg? You know, cause I think growing up is I had a lot of, uh, uh, pop tarts as a kid were my yep. breakfasts or toaster yep. strudels and looking at it back, I kind of cringe, you know? Yeah. My, yeah. My I hear you. Flakes. I hear you. <laughs> uh, fr uh, frosted flakes was always a one there, but you know, I look back at there and think like, Oh, I, I did that because that's all I knew how to do. I didn't know how to, make things like eggs which are you know take three minutes to fry on a yeah. oven pan or you know something as basic as oatmeal or you know things of that nature so that's the other thing that i try to put a lot of emphasis on when i'm working with you know families is just developing basic cooking skills um at a young age and how that can really set you up because now if you only have a hammer everything's a nail right but now if you have different ways to make food it becomes a lot more fun you can still do it in five minutes, even if you feel like you don't have much time. So those are other ways or, you know, smoothies occasionally, you know, just trying to introduce different food options that sometimes 
you know, if you don't, if you're used to being in a habit, having someone just mention these other ideas, like, oh, I never thought about that. That is pretty easy. It only takes four or five minutes. So that's the other thing that I've been found impactful working with families in terms of getting better food options for kids. Well, I think speaking of cooking eggs, I think another thing is, is, you know, just food preparation and, and preparing for a few days ahead of time. I know Janet and I are, you know, we're notorious for doing this. Um, you know, whether we cook up, you know, extra ha- a couple pounds of hamburger, um, which we're not going to eat all at one setting, um, but that can feed us, you know, for the next couple days. And instead of eating junk, you can eat, you know, ground beef. Um, you know, same thing with eggs. Um, you know, why not hard boil, you know, a, you know, a dozen eggs? And when you want a healthy snack, um, have a couple eggs and you'll be full. But think about the Pop-Tart analogy. How many Pop-Tarts can you eat? Oh, you can go through a lot. I, I mean, I could eat five, six probably. <laughs> I mean, seriously. But seriously, yeah. two, two eggs, maximum three, I'm done. And, you know, that's yeah. only 70 calories an egg. So you're talking for three eggs, you're talking 210 calories. I imagine one Pop-Tart has 200 plus calories. Ooh, I would have to imagine. Um, yeah. You know, or even, and you know, I always think about too, when it comes to appetite and regulation, I think one of those things, those foods are so palatable when you combine sugar with salt, with fat, like mm-hmm. it's like Dorito Cool Ranch chips is so hard. <laughs> right. um, like that, those are, that's a struggle. For, but you know, I, so I always goes back to is nutrient dense foods. You know, I think often we're eating for hunger, but I think it's really our body just saying, Hey, we need to get nutrients in our body. And if I'm trying to get nutrients from Pop-Tarts, I'm going to have to eat a lot of Pop-Tarts to get a given amount of, you know, nutrients where I think if you're having more of those nutrient-dense foods, it um, not only does it kind of shut the hunger off quicker, but I have better focus during the day energy. I know in a previous conversation, we touched on the whole ADHD, you know, epidemic, you know, in kids. And so I always think about all these things kind of playing together from a health and wellness standpoint. Well, speaking of nutrient density, really with Pop-Tarts, I mean, let's face it. I mean, the only thing you got there is um, caloric density. I mean, seriously, yeah. what, what kind of nutrients are in Pop-Tarts? And that's why you can just keep eating them and keep eating them. And, you know, it will go to your waste because it's going to get stored as extra calories, as extra fuel, because there's just not a lot of nutrients in it. Whereas eggs, you talked about all the healthy stuff in eggs. I mean, go ahead and name the stuff that's in eggs besides, oh, yeah. you know, protein and choline and what else? Oh, you have so many vitamins and minerals. You have a bunch of antioxidants. Um, The carotenoid antioxidants in particular, they're really rich in. Carotenoids are what gives it that bright orangish yellow color. And we know that, you know, antioxidants are the key to helping to reduce inflammation naturally. We know that inflammation is the root cause of every chronic disease out there. So, I mean, Mm -hmm. you're able to knock off so many different things when you have an egg. Yeah. Right. And, and, and they're inexpensive too. They're, they're, they're 10 cents. An yeah. egg is 10 cents for as much as people say they've gotten more expensive. Still, it's very, very inexpensive food. Yeah. Rel- relatively, I, I think bang for your buck, especially with protein, it's, I don't know a better source out there than eggs, to be honest yeah. with you. The only, what I think complements eggs very well is, um, you know, bacon and sausage, which are pretty inexpensive protein mm-hmm. sources also. They are higher in fat, but I don't, you know, so you have to worry about calories. But, but there again, if you're eating the right foods that um, satisfy your taste buds and satisfy you, you don't have to worry about overconsumption of calories as much because you, you, you can't eat, it's harder to overeat. No. 
And I think that's too, um, too. And I'm not sure if you ever run into this, but one of the things I run into is some people, sometimes I think, uh, on a very general level, people kind of get in that trap of a, a, a paralysis by analysis. And they're like, oh my gosh, I can do eggs, but I like it with bacon, but bacon is bad. I can't touch bacon. And all of a sudden, you know, when I always tell people like, hey, everything in moderation works fine. Like I don't, you know, for the most part, you, you can make those work. Right. So I'm glad that you brought up the, the sausage and the bacon aspect because I think those are fine in moderation having those. And like you said, usually appetite's going to cut that off just because they are so dense with the nutrition. Yeah, absolutely. So I, I gotta jump in a little bit for the parents out there. Nutrition really is important as our brain and bodies are developing. And that's something that, um, I mean, if you are eating a lot of the boxed and pre-made food, like our pop tarts that we're talking about, you're really not feeding the brain and you're not, you're not feeding the body or even building blocks of the body. Correct. Correct. And that's a great point. So you think about it as you're a young person, the brain is developing so fast. And so I think about things like omega-3s. I was going to say, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) You set up perfect. That was like a John Stockton move right there. Yeah. Um, And so I think that's a great point is the importance of getting these nutrients in because not only is that going to make you feel a lot better now, that's going to set you up for success later in life. Well, and when you think about, you know, how um, concentrated our brain tissue is in omega-3s and cholesterol, for instance, um, you know, you, you've got to ask yourself how much, you know, th- that Pop-Tart, I, I mean, h- how much nutrients does that Pop-Tart have to feed your brain besides glu- besides sugar, you know, um, really, that's that's about it. Yeah, it, it, it's not offering a whole lot there. and. And the other thing I, th- I think as we're setting up for success, I always think about schools as well. So one of the groups I'm really active in a lot of the communities I work is education within schools. And I think, you know, and this goes back to both, you know, nutrition education, but even just daily movement, because I know we're kind of focused on both nutrition and fitness for kids. And I think that's another area as parents to, you know, whatever school district that you're part of, as much as possible, try to push for, you know, the health and wellness departments to advocate, you know, not only for your kid, but for the entire, you know, student body. I think that's another area that's really important. Well, and I know that there's, um, I know when our kids were in a private school, I mean, our, our the private school was always looking for people to volunteer to speak about you know, nutrition or to show um, people how to do certain movements with resistance training, kettlebells, whatever, Um, because they don't always have those people available. Um, So if a parent is willing to step up and do that, I mean, it goes a long ways for a lot of people. And it's big too, you know, I always tell everyone to, to do to be able to help to educate, to help be able to support, you know, health and wellness programs in school, you, you don't need to be like a PhD, you know. Yeah. I think most people know at the basic, hey, fruit and vegetables are really important. You know, protein sources are important. You know, one easy analogy I'll use, this is with both kids and adults, but I'll always use hand references. So like, hey, your fist is roughly the serving of a fruits and vegetables. Yep. And it's fun because I can say, hey, eat, you know, say six servings of vegetables, fruits and vegetables a day, whatever it is. Well, that same thing applies to both a kid and an adult because a kid's going to, obviously a kid doesn't, you know, 
an eight-year-old doesn't necessarily need as much as a grown adult, but they also have a smaller fist, yeah. right? So it all, it all scales relative to their body. So that's a you know a fun thing that I've been able to found work with schools. Another thing that's super fun with schools or young kids or groups is uh, I was just working with the child care center a couple weeks ago, and we had five different things on a plate. It was pumpkin seeds, chocolate chips, uh, cranberries, frozen blueberries, and uh, carrots, like the crinkled cut carrots. And basically, I would have kids each try once, and then they had to use adjectives to describe those foods. So all of a sudden it became cool. You're trying to incorporate, okay, you know, the number of kids who had crinkle cut carrots, they've never had them before. Like, oh, they're rough, but they're chewy, but there's some sweetness to it. So again, trying to incorporate different things like that have been really fun within school districts. So let's go back on to movement. Um, And I love how you describe it as movement because sometimes um, we use the word exercise and it scares people. (laughs) You know, when really in reality – you know, a hundred years ago, I mean, th- there was no such thing as scheduling exercise. <laughs> I mean, seriously, think about it. Yeah. It's because people worked physical labor jobs. So they were moving all the time already. There there was, the, I don't even know if they, I'm sure there were some kind of boutique gyms or something a hundred years ago, but they were very, very rare. People didn't have to go to the gym because they were moving all day. So give us some tips how as adults, we can teach our kids how to, how to move. The, the two things uh, that I would recommend here working with a, a lot of kids is one, uh, if you're involved, if you're going to be involved in sports, make it a variety of sports. One of the things I see happening too often now, and I think they actually destroy it sets up for failure is you'll see like a 10 year old, you know, a parent will come in like, Hey, will you, uh, you know, help train my 10 year old? Great. That's fine. Like, you know, what sports do they all play? And they're like, Oh, he only plays he or she only plays baseball or softball the entire year. Right. So they're, and I think that's one of the things you get overuse injuries. I think kids get burnt out and I think it almost sets the stages. If you get burnt out with say a sports, when you're, you know, 15 years old, also they have a negative relationship with movement, which causes issues down the road. Um, so the one that's what I always tell people is make sure you're involved. If you're gonna do sports, do a variety of sports. And I'm also a big fan of just for lack of better words, free play. And what I mean by that, I think right now, uh, so many kids are so structured in what they're doing, where even if they're playing multiple sports is, it's not like, hey, uh, I remember growing up, like I played sports, but I also did a lot of just playing recess, like tag, hide and go seek, okay. like building for like, you know, all those different things where it's like there wasn't structured. I had to think about movement while trying to process things. But it wasn't like structured 24-7. I think that's, you know, something, too, that's really impactful to develop those healthy relationships with movement that carry on throughout life. Yeah, Janet has some pretty strong opinions about about kids focusing on one sport. I tell you, I think it's parent-driven. And even if the child likes it, that's great. But the overuse thing and the mental stress that you put on your child when you tell them they're going to be an Olympic champion or you're going to be the pitcher at Stanford or you're going to be on the Mariners team, whatever you're telling your child, you know, let them dream and decide. It's it's our duty, I think, as parents to introduce them to things and show them things in life and then let them decide what they love and what they're passionate about. That pressure is just not healthy at all. And when we're talking, Talking about that free thing, I identified with this as like, you know, Sean and I ride our bikes a lot, but when you were a kid, 
man, you just jumped on your bike and rode. You just went somewhere, right? And it was just, your brain went with it. Your body went with it. It was all fun. It wasn't like this pre, and, and I'm not saying we shouldn't do that as adults, but there is some place that children need to go to have that brain space and to just enjoy life. And I think that's what I'm identifying with what you're saying is that free play is, hey, just be a kid. Just yeah. just enjoy the moment. Well, and I think talking about playing multiple sports, I think that goes to the same that 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 is on the same subject. Um, because let, let's face it, I don't want to burst anybody's bubbles, but I also am just a truthful person. And you know, most kid people's kids are not going to be professional athletes. And Sean, you've coached professional athletes, so you know that. I mean, the chances of ever being a professional athlete, actually even succeeding in college, is very, very, very slim. And we taught our kids that early on. So one thing we told them to do is like, look, we want to expose you to lots of sports because we want you to be active in something the rest of your life. One of the things that we would see we see very often in kids at our kids' age is, you know, they were very competitive in football and in high school. After after high school went away, they don't do anything. You know, and, and that's part of the problem. And if you think about why we had multiple sports in, in, you know, and why we had seasons, okay, baseball is a warm weather sport. We play baseball in the summer. Mm-hmm. Football's a cold weather sport. You've got all these pads on you. <laughs> you know, you know, it's a cold weather sport. We play it in the fall and the winter. Um, you know, basketball, we, we play in the winter, in the middle of the winter, because it's a indoor sport. You know, and 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 um, when you look at when you think about this, and I would love your opinion on this. And I know I don't think if it, I don't remember if it's Nick Saban or if it was um, I can't remember is Nick Saban or who was the coach for Ohio for a while? Myers, Urban Myers, Urban Myers. Yeah, one of those coaches says that they tried to pick athletes that played three sports in high school um, to come to because they were better. They were just better overall athletes. And, and yeah. isn't, I mean, because chances are you're not going to play a professional sport. Um, don't you want to just be an overall general better athlete and better health? What's your opinion? Oh, uh, 100%. Uh, I always see the, be- the best athletes are always the ones that are doing multiple sports. And the thing you always see is you can have a skill in one sport that translates over to yeah. another sport. You know, I think in the, I mean, basketball and baseball. Very different movement sports, but hand-eye coordination is pretty dang important in each one of those. Yeah, yeah. And uh, one, one of uh, my mentors uh, on the coaching side, I remember him telling me, and this is, he's like, when it, he's like, when it comes to athletics, Sean, the goal is not to create an adapted athlete. The goal is to create an adaptable athlete. In other words, you want to have an athlete, I think it was Steve Muirland, um who, who, who said that, but he's, he said, you know, you want to have an athlete where you put them in a new situation they feel very comfortable because they have the, the general skill background set where they can um, adapt their, their body to the movements needed to succeed in that environment. Yeah. And, you know, some examples of that is look at Steph Curry. I mean, you know, one of the best basketball players of all time. He's also a par golfer. I'm I'm not surprised. (laughs) You know, I'm not surprised. He knows what it takes to win and to achieve. And he knows what his body needs to do to do it. And, you know, you look at a lot of other athletes, especially football and baseball crossovers, you know, Bo Jackson, Russell Wilson, um, Deion Sanders, all those guys could play both those sports incredibly well because they were 
what do you call it? Adaptable athlete? What, how'd you say that? Yeah. Uh, it, they're an adaptable athlete. In other words, yeah. they were not yeah. adapted to a sport. They were adaptable just right. as themselves. Yeah. Yeah. And you, and speaking of the injuries too, I mean, I can tell you being a competitive mountain bike racer myself, I mean, you know, and I have a coach that coaches me. And one of the things that a coach will do is tell you when it's time to take time off. Um, and you know, if you're doing something repetitively, whether you're a pitcher or whether you're a biker, you're going to get hip flexor issues or whatever, if you don't take some time off. Mm -hmm. And the other thing that with the injuries, but, uh, and this is something your, um, Janet touched on was just the mental, the, the pressure, the stresses. Here's something that most people fail to take into account. Let's say if you have a 10 year old, so most sports are like, Hey, if your birthday's before this date, you're on the 10 year old team. If your birthday's after this date, you're on the 11 year old team or whatever. So there's roughly like the year cuts cutoffs, right? Well, if you have a 10 year old who was born say one day or three, I guess you'd say 363 days before then, and then you, and on a team, and then you also have somebody on the team who was born one day before that cutoff. There's, I mean, when you're 10 years huge. old, that's like, Wait, a, that's huge. That's, that's like <laughs> right. someone in their 50 being five to 10 years older. I mean, that's like 15% right. of someone's lifetime or 10%, right. you know, that's, and I think that's what gets missed when you're only trying to do one sport is like, oh man, like I'm not successful here. I'm no good. Like I hate sports. I hate this stuff. As opposed to, I mean, if you're constantly doing different sports, A, you're going to find one that you succeed in. And if you're not so specialized, you're going to have a greater self. I think you're going to have greater confidence yeah. just because you're not playing against someone who's 10% older than you, which is a huge, yeah. you know, yeah. at that point in life. Well, and you do, and you know, there is so much crossover from one sport to the next sport. Um, when it comes to, you know, the muscles you use, although it's a little bit different, but it's still the same. I mean, mm -hmm. that's why it's important to, to, to do multiple sports. Um, I think of, um, you know, even, and you'll know this because even, even, uh, you know, here's a good example. Back, you know, when I was a kid in elementary school, Eric Hyden was a ice skater, Olympic mm -hmm. ice skater. Do you remember him? Yeah. <laughs> well, there, there was back, you know, 45, 50 years ago, you couldn't ice skate in the summer. You, you just couldn't. That, that, that wasn't available. Now those guys can ice skate year round. But what would Eric Hyden do in the off season in the summer? He would bike. And, and talk about a sport to grow your quads, which, you know, cycling and ice skating, very quad intensive. Uh -huh. I mean, so, you know, and, um, but yet he still worked enough to have a different muscle that, um, you know, you wouldn't, you wouldn't have overuse injuries. So, um, that's part of the problem now is we have the ability to practice. We have the ability to play baseball year round. We used to not because you couldn't play baseball in February in Massachusetts, but mm -hmm. now, now you can because there's so many indoor stadiums and there's pitching machines and and and, and all that and that kind of the same that's kind of the same problem that we've had with our food supply yeah is that we have an unlimited food supply now we have refrigeration we have pantries we have ways of storing food and and um, where we used to not so that's why we used to not um, have as much problems with obesity because we just didn't have as much food. It, it's crazy the parallels between the two is now the biggest issue is not scarcity the biggest issue is abundance yeah exactly. <laughs> you know, both from uh from a movement standpoint with respect to sport as well as from a food standpoint yeah yeah so as we wrap this podcast up i'm going to put you on the spot All right. i want you to give one nutrition tip and one fitness or movement tip however we want to define that 
to parents to get their kids started um, on a healthy life journey. Okay. Um, uh, number one on the food uh, tip would be take your kids uh, grocery shopping and cook a meal with them. And awesome. on a movement standpoint is uh, let your kids uh, create movement with them. Awesome. Uh, that sounded yeah. really, the last one may have sounded too vague, but what I mean is uh, go outside, play, run around, yeah. and uh, just have that variety. I love it. All right. So as we wrap this podcast up, Sean, what is the best way to get a hold of you if anybody has any questions? If anyone has any questions, um, feel free to reach out to me on Facebook. Um, on Sean Casey, I'm really active on Facebook. I try to respond to everyone's message. Um, you can also uh, go to my website. It's uh, caseperformance.com. Uh, and then I'm also active on Instagram as well. But I enjoy people reaching out to me. I always try to respond to every message that comes through um, on there. It's, it makes it fun. And I learn so much working with uh, people. Awesome. Awesome. I love it, Sean. So thank you so much for, for your wisdom and helping to educate and empower individuals today on how to take care of themselves. So that's the goal of our podcast is to educate and empower individuals to take charge of their own health. So you've helped us realize that goal. I really appreciate it, Sean. Let's stay in touch. You're, you're a wealth of knowledge and we can always uh, um, learn a lot from you. So thank you for being on today. Hey, well, thank you. Have a great day. All right. Listeners and viewers, thank you for being on Health Solutions with Sean and Janet Needham. Tune in to our regularly scheduled podcast or our midweek scheduled podcast, which is Thursday, 8 a.m. to 9 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. We'll see you then. Health Solutions with Sean and Janet Needham. Thank you.